You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. If you're a regular uh, at Riverview, you'll know that Tom has begun taking us through the fundamentals of what we believe as a church, and we're not calling it a series, just about what we believe as a church. So we are, and we always will be, fundamentally completely reliant on the Word of God. We're very distinctly Riverview Church, but we're part of the Apostolic Church as well. And you'll realize we're evangelical and we're Pentecostal. And that affects how we worship and it affects how we serve Jesus. Our beliefs make us who we are and how we behave. So today, I want to talk to you just for a very short time, because this is a short message, um, about the Holy Spirit. And a really important thing that we have to remember about the Holy Spirit is he is part of the Godhead. He's as much part of the Godhead as Father and as Son. So we have three persons in the Godhead, but only one God. And the Holy Spirit is the person who convicts of sin and points people to Jesus. And we know that Jesus, because he's the son of God, because he died on the cross, because he rose again and he ascended to heaven, he has the power to forgive sins. So whenever anyone asks Jesus to come into their life to forgive them for their sin, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells with that person. So if you've given your life over to Jesus Christ today, then you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Now, Tom, you will remember, spoke about the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago, and I know we're going to be hearing a lot more about the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in us, changing us, making us more like Jesus, as we allow him to. When Jesus returned to heaven after the ascension, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 tells us about him coming. He's the one who gives gifts to the church. He's the one who builds the church up. And he gives gifts to to edify. And then last week we had Pastor John Caldwell come and bring a word from the Lord, exactly in line with everything God had been saying to us over the last while. But I loved something that he said, and it made me go back to um, what I'd been planning for this service, but it just really made me rethink some of it. He talked about reputation and character. It got me thinking about character and how do we make sure that our character is in line with what God wants for us. So it's the Holy Spirit who's the one who helps us grow these character traits that make us more like God. And Galatians calls them fruits. And, you know, like fruit that we grow, or if you're like me, fruit that you buy in the supermarket, but you know it didn't just arrive there. Um, It had to be grown. The the fruit growers would have to plant seeds. They'd water the ground. They'd make sure the plants had enough sunlight, um, that they're nurtured and cared for as they grow. And sometimes even they might speak to them. And the fruit of the Spirit is exactly, exactly the same. 
And Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us what these fruits are. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things are growing in your life if you have the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, against such things there is no law. No one can ever point the finger at you and say, you're wrong for that if you're showing love, peace, patience, and all these things. As a believer, whether you're five or 95, people should see the fruits of the Spirit in your lives. They're what mark us out as Christians. When we grow these fruits, people notice. People notice that we're different, that we're not just the norm because we're reflecting the character of God. There's a great deal of uh, talk in schools just now about the need to be kind to each other. I know people have this idea that schools, oh, you know, they go and they get off with everything. They don't. They don't. And there's this, all the time in classes we're talking about being kind to each other. But you know, it's not just in schools that that's the case. I heard a lovely conversation in the pantry food bank a couple of weeks ago, and some of the awful situations that were going on and are going on in the world were being discussed. And one of the younger volunteers said, why can people not just be kind to each other? And I loved hearing Jean Walker say, we need Jesus to return before that can happen. Thank you, Jean. Being kind treating people as you want to be treated yourself. In other words, changes situations, it changes feelings, it changes attitudes, and you know what? It changes lives. I'm sure you've seen the slogan, you know, sometimes as a head teacher, I used to aim it at parents who were trying to push their children to do better and better and better and better, um, which is fine, but you know, there's other things. And the slogan was, in a world when you can be anything, be kind. And if only we had children learning that, that would grow up into being adults. And as adults and as Christians, we have that opportunity to show the world that we are different because we are being kind. If the world sees it as an important trait, how much more intently should we as Christians be kind in our dealings with people? It reflects God's character. Do you know, there are some people, some children go through all of their lives and they never have a kind word said to them. There's no kindness ever shown to them. And that's in Britain today. That's not just, you know, somewhere else. It's sad, but Christians can and must buck the trend. We must grow kindness as a fruit of the Spirit and reflect God's character when we're dealing with people. So you'll all have worked out that I want to concentrate on one character, one fruit of the Spirit in particular, and that's kindness. But you know what? When you have kindness, you see all the other things growing too. So nine fruits of the Spirit. Kindness is smack bang in the middle, which says something to me. But actually, as you look at when you're being kind, you're showing all these other traits as well. So I'll look to see what, kindness, what, what scripture has to say about kindness. Well, of course, it reveals God's kindness to us. Way back in the Old Testament, Nehemiah was intent on bringing the people, the, the Israelites, um, back. And he reminded them of how their, their forefathers had treated God 
knowing God had brought them out of captivity and shown them his power and signs and wonders and brought to, as, as he brought them victory um, as they moved into the promised land. And yet, what did they do? They abandoned them and they started to worship idols, idols that had been handmade. But listen to what Nehemiah says in his book. This is chapter 9, and it's just the latter half of verse 17. He says, But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and you did not forsake them. We know the story of the Israelites' miraculous escape from slavery in Egypt. We also know the rebellion as they travelled through the desert and into the promised land. Would you have been willing to show them the kindness that God showed them in bringing them back and, and constantly forgiving them? I asked myself that question and I couldn't answer it because do you know what? I know my heart and I know how many times I forget what God has done for me. So I can't judge them because I'm exactly the same. Thank goodness that God is always ready to pardon, that he's gracious, that he's merciful, that he's slow to anger and abundant in kindness in his dealings with me as well. Now, that doesn't give us license to go and do whatever we want to do and know that God will forgive us and that, that we can do anything. That's not how it works at all. But it shows us who our God is, how he deals with us, and how he expects us to deal with other people as well. Do you know what? Even when they don't deserve it. That's the hard part. Easy to forgive somebody who comes and says, I'm really sorry, didn't mean to do that. But somebody that's just blasé like the Israelites were and like I can be. The psalmist David gives reference to how God is constantly kind and forgiving. It's all through the Psalms. I'm only going to give you three examples, um, but they are, it's all through. He's shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. His merciful kindness is great towards us. He crowns you with loving kindness. He is so, so kind to us. And that's just a tiny amount of his exhortation. David is so aware of the kindness of God toward him. He just can't help but praise God because he knows he doesn't deserve it. And yet this is the great King David that we look back on and value so much for his contribution to the Old Testament. He's an amazing man, but he got it so wrong sometimes. And that really encourages me because, you know, sometimes I get it so wrong too. Isaiah 54 says, and this is God speaking, with a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. Thank you, Lord. Everlasting kindness. What a God to have in your corner. And if you're a Christian, a believer today, that's who's fighting for you. That's who's doing the work on your behalf. He constantly shows his loving kindness toward us. And he calls us to grow that exactly the same fruit of the Spirit. When we look at kindness in Scripture, it doesn't just tell us that God is kind to us. But it also calls for us to, be, to show kindness in all our dealings. Here's some encouragement for us. You know the words really well from 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long and is kind. 
Yep, it doesn't say love makes everything hunky-dory and is kind. It's love suffers long. Do you feel you're suffering long sometimes? Well, love is what's holding it together. Ephesians 4 and 32 says to us, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. I don't know about you, but as I read that, I'm squirming because I know sometimes that's not how I act. However, I do know that nothing shows the love of God to others better than a forgiving spirit. As the people can see that we are forgiving, then it marks us out as different. And we can't do it on our own. We might try, we might want to be better and just try to be better, but we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives so that we can show this fruit of the Spirit in the way we behave to others, not just to some people, but to everyone. In, in Peter's second epistle, there's a title for it in my Bible that says, Fruitful Growth in the Faith. And, you know, it just says to me, that's exactly what God wants all through. So it's not just Galatians talking about growing fruit. Here we are in Peter's second epistle, chapter 2 and verse 5. And he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So it's great when we come to Christ, we've got faith to hold on to him. But he's saying, Grow, add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so that they keep growing in our lives as we give ourselves over to God more and more, if, if, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you want to go on in God, here's what we do. We open ourselves more and more to the Holy Spirit and allow him to grow these fruits. A change in character doesn't always just happen when we get saved, but the Holy Spirit comes in and begins working and growing that fruit as we allow him to. So being kind evidences that fruit is growing. Must be important because I don't know how many times it says it in scripture, but it's there a lot. Being kind evidences in how we speak. It's the easiest way to see the heart of a person and how they speak about others. And the most important thing for believers to get right. The Apostle James knew how hard it is for us. So let me read some of his words from uh, James chapter 3. Just a few verses there. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone's never at fault in what he says, he's the perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. 
All kinds of creatures, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. How many times have you said something and almost as soon as it's out, you're trying to draw it back because you knew you never should have said it. But you can't. It's out there and it can never be unsaid. So James has a lot to say about taming the tongue. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless, he says in chapter 1. He's got a lot to say about the tongue because it's such an important thing. Jesus said about it as well. He said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I couldn't begin to count the number of conversations, never with Josh, I hasten to add, I had about children over my career, mostly about bad language. When I would say to them, if it wasn't in here, it wouldn't be coming out here. You need to sort out what you think about things. Keeping our hearts right always results in our speech being wholesome and building people up. There's enough people in the world tearing people down. We don't need to do it. Such contradictions in what the tongue can do. James tells us it can bless and it can curse. Harshness of speech can destroy the cause of Christ. Words can cause division and wound and hurt. And it's every bit as painful if we're doing it behind someone's back not just to their face, but we can control our tongues when the Holy Spirit has control of our spirits, when we look to him to grow the fruits of the Spirit. And then words bring blessing and comfort and encouragement. Even sometimes when we've still to broach tricky subjects, we can do it in a kindness. And we can hear it in kindness as well when it's been done to us. But we need to be kind in how we act. And kindness to others is the substance of Riverview. We give to various town initiatives to bless Bones. We give to the pantry to help alleviate food poverty in the town. We have a hardship fund to help when times are tough. And we give time to people as they need it. The early church was encouraged to live this way. Acts 2 talks about the disciples having everything in common. There's a thought. Not one I particularly want to go down the road of, but, you know, it is important that we are coming together and we're working together. Paul tells the early church to set aside money to give to those in need. And we know what Jesus said about it in Mark. He says, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. So being concerned about social issues is not something that's thrust upon us as a duty, but it's something that flows from the heart, the fruit of the Spirit growing and overflowing as we care for others. Jesus says it's caring for our Lord. So kindness is just another dimension of love, and that's what our community needs to see, what our town needs to see, what our nation needs to see, if they're ever to see Jesus is alive and he's living in the hearts of believers. Now, 
I do not want anyone leaving here in any kind of condemnation this morning um, because I have to tell you I am the first one to acknowledge that I get it so wrong sometimes. But remember what Jesus, what God has said, that he's quick to forgive and that he is overflowing in kindness. All he longs for us is for us to confess our sins and he's faithful and he's just and forgives those sins and starts walking us again in those fruits of the spirit where we are giving ourselves over to God. We've talked already about how kind he is, always ready to forgive. People need to see Jesus in our lives. So let's this morning just give our lives over anew to him and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work because he loves to grow those fruits to allow us to reflect the character of God. Amen.